Nailed it. Fuck it. It's not sexy. I want this person dead. I want their family dead. I want their dog dead. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, strong dogs and dark pussies. We're back for episode 18 of the Caligula series, Ray. Yeah, yeah. What's happening in your life, Ray? <sighs> Honestly, I this is going to sound bad. I can't help but think about my wife and daughters are going to be in my face 24-7. I don't know if I can do this. I didn't sign up for this shit. Uh, I don't know. I guess I just... What do you do? Your yeah. family's there. Why, your wife's there. Well, you try to nail her all the time. Huh. I don't try. <laughs> well, I do try. And sometimes I succeed. So basically, I'll just keep Yesterday. giving her the look. Okay, go ahead. Yesterday, sort of around about 1, 1 p.m., I'm sitting down here, I'm working away. I just get a text message, come up, come upstairs now. Yes. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Hurrah. <laughs> and then you. I raced upstairs, shedding clothes <laughs> on the way up the stairs. I get up the top and she says, can you, uh, can you fix my internet? My Wi-Fi's down. I'm like, oh, fuck. But I, why, 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 I, <laughs> why can I see it? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm naked. Well, I just in in between uh, our last episodes, I just checked my uh, portfolio, right. stock portfolio right. that I do with Tony and QAV. Uh, every single stock is uh, negative from when we bought it, uh, except one. One is huh. still up. Good on your Fortescue metals. What is that toilet paper? Uh, uh, oh no. Okay. Good work. All right. Uh, yeah, no, one of our miners, but everything. I mean, our, yeah. our portfolio has dropped 22% since we started it in the 2nd of September. <clears throat> it was up 19% That's a... uh, at the end of January. Yes. Um, it's now down 22% uh, in the last month since coronavirus kicked in, so... The all odds in Australia, the uh, the index is down twenty five percent since the second of September. Jesus! Um, but as you know, like I think the the um, at Wall Street last night, we're recording this on the thirteenth of March. So by the time people hear this, it's probably even worse. But Wall Street last night had its biggest single day decline since nineteen eighty seven, since the great crash of eighty seven. Yeah. So Black Tuesday. So everybody, Black Friday, what just it, stay home and listen to podcasts. I think. They should do that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and keep subscribing to podcasts, <laughs> right. no matter how bad it gets. <laughs> yeah. Cut out alcohol or condoms, whatever. Everything. Yeah. 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 So, uh, last time yeah. on Caligula, he, he decides timing's not right to invade Britain and... He gets messages that he has to get back to Rome. Hurry back to Rome, they say. Why? Well, that's what we're going to talk about on this episode. Right. On his way back to Rome, he was met with another delegation, a larger one than the first one they sent where he threw uh, Claudius into the river. This time, again, they congratulated him all of, on all of his successes. Oh. Uh, mm. What successes were they? Well, yeah. you know. Successy. Un- Uncovering conspiracies, 
and the like. Shell collection. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those shells. (laughs) They're not going to collect themselves. But yeah. They also they offered him a triumph, and they also begged him to hurry home. Mm. Now, why would they beg him to hurry? Um, well, I'm guessing maybe there's there's tension in Rome because he has uncovered this other conspiracy in 39. He had to handle it by killing some people. Maybe Rome is tense. Maybe they really are fearful of what he's going to do when he's going to get back, but you need this stuff settled. I don't know. I, I just imagine everybody is on edge in Rome, and, it's, and, and the longer that he's away, the more it's just going to linger and drive people crazy, and people are going to start accusing each other. That's, that's my guess. Fearful times. Well, when I first read it, I thought they were just being nice. It's like yeah. when... We miss you. You know, when your wife when your wife goes off to work in the morning right. and you say, hurry home, her, and really you're like, thank you. <laughs> send her a dick pic. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> like, they don't, you don't really want them right. to come you say home it. quickly. You, you say You it. want them to take their time. Exactly. You say yeah. it, yeah. yeah. So maybe they were saying that to Caligula, but also another explanation might be that there were still signs of a conspiracy by members of the aristocracy, not all of the aristocracy. Too many. But some of the aristocracy. And, uh, you know, some some people were on his side and wanted him to hurry home to take care of it. According to the ancient sources, when this delegation asked him to hurry home, he slapped the sword on his waist and said, I'm coming home and so is this. Now, I think maybe he slapped his dick yes. and said, I'm coming home and so is this. I, I do that all the time. But yeah, people are like, did he, did he just slap his dick or his sword? <laughs> and they're like, well, I don't know. His dick sword. Let's just go with the sword. Yeah, right. Sounds better. Yeah. But. Now. But. Yeah. He was only returning to those who wanted him there. The equestrians, the people, not the motherfucking Senate. They were no longer his fellow citizens. Fuck the Senate. Yeah, he issued a proclamation on his way back that said that. He was returning only to those who wanted him, the people and the equestrians, not the Senate. Mm. And it might have been at this time that he threatened to get rid of the entire Senate just to liquidate it. I've had enough. There's been at least three attempts. You fuckers are going down. Sorry. Yeah. Well, he never again really regarded them with any respect or as his fellow citizens even. Right. At this point, he basically cuts off the Senate. Yeah. Now, again, this is often depicted in the... uh, you know, popular treatments of Caligula as a sign of his madness, his insanity, Mm -hmm. having lost touch with reality. But if the conspiracies, the conspiracy theories are all true, if there's something behind them, and there are enough senators involved in this, maybe he he was just uh, cutting them off because they were you know, trying to overthrow his rule. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that he's, he's going to cut himself off from the senators. And I know that when, cause you got to play the game. Um, 
when he's walking in public, yes, he has his entourage, he has his freedmen, the people that are really close to him, his new inner circle, if you will, and there still are some senators around, but as soon as they go into indoors or private or whatever, the senators or whoever are pushed aside, they are no longer allowed to be around him, he's not going to associate with him, you, you play the game in public, but after that you shut it down in private, he's letting them know that he is in his own way, without a sword, really, for now, declaring war, you people no longer to match matter to me. I do not trust you. You are not a part of helping me run this country anymore. Yeah. It's over. Now, the way this is often depicted is that he, apart from going mad, he had sort of, must have been disappointed. He went over to Germany with the idea of this great military success, not only to to live up to the standards of his predecessors, but to surpass the achievements of his predecessors. And he hadn't even matched them. He hadn't even been able to fight any significant campaigns. And the way, again, that it's often depicted in the, the popular histories is that the feeling of insecurity that he had as a result of this made him declare that from now on he had to be treated as a living god. (laughs) Compensate much? Now, historians, ancient and modern, will often claim that Caligula's demand to be treated as a living god was a sure sign that he had gone completely mad. And yet... yes. Jesus claimed the same thing and nobody nobody bats an eyelid. Every, so nobody right. says Jesus was insane. Right. Why why does he get special treatment? <laughs> Caligula claimed he was a god. Everyone says Cuckoo. obviously Cuckoo. crazy. Right. Jesus, according to the gospel gospel according to John, yeah, claimed the same thing. I and my father are one. Sure. Nobody says, well, Jesus was obviously batshit crazy. Uh Matt, history would have been very different yeah. if everyone had gone, well, obviously, uh, if Caligula's crazy, Jesus was crazy, let's just not even pay attention to him. Let's pretend that never happened. Move on. But, but to semi-seriously answer your question, the people that wrote the Bible or whatever books of the Bible, um, sympathetic to Jesus, if not out-and-out supporters, the people that are writing about Caligula are his and you can you maybe use undeclared enemies. And so they're going to spin and skew everything. He brings up seashells. He's fucking insane. He wants to be a god. He's insane. I mean, everything he does is either incompetent, not good enough, or insane. He, he couldn't get a break if he had to. And so it's all just spin. And this is the latest example of them finding something to just beat his reputation with in their history books. And so that's what I want to dig into in this episode mm-hmm. is what evidence is there that he actually did want to be treated as a living God. And if he did, how unusual would that have been based on what had happened previously? Hey, uh, can I take a moment and give this episode a theme, a context, if you will? Let's say supposedly that Caligula's plans don't work out. He's coming back to Rome. He's rushing back to Rome. He's, he's put down at least three conspiracies, and they could have all easily been connected, and there's possibly a fourth going on, again, that could be connected. It's this class of sons of bitches. For whatever reason, they're out to get him. Now, he needs to do something. He needs to come up with some kind of plan or something to not only survive these people, but to 
go after them indirectly? Does he kill some of them? Does he create a, uh, a climate of fear like Sejanus and get them to tear each other apart? Maybe he does a little, little bit of everything. But the other source that I read had a really good um, theory that I just wanted to run by you real quick. Um, here's Caligula supposedly on his way back to Rome, and he realizes that the problem is there's one system in Rome, you've got the consuls, you've got the magistrates, you've got the courts, you've got the, the provinces, you've got the, uh, the governors of that. It's all set up. It's all set up. And it's been going on for hundreds of years. And even with G- Julius, I started to say Jesus Christ, and even Julius Caesar himself, when he comes in, when he takes over, he doesn't abolish the systems that's there. He just incorporates it. He, he alters it a little bit, but he basically keeps 95% of it or whatever. He just puts himself at the top. Augustus takes that and does an even better job of incorporating himself into the existing system. This system is not working. And, and of course, Tiberius was just a hanger on. He's going to do whatever uh, uh, Augustus did. He's just going to ride the wave. He's not going to make any changes. Caligula comes along. And like you said, in the very first episode we did, he is going to be rocking up when he comes to Rome for the first time, knowing once it's all said and done, that he's going to be the princeps, that he's going to be the emperor, whatever you, what do you want to call it. He knows he's going to rule. But the current system is now not working for him, and he's almost died a couple of times. He needs a new system. Well, how in the hell do you alter, destroy, deconstruct, change a system that's been around for hundreds of years that has served the Roman Empire pretty well ever since the moment they kicked out their kings? He needs a new system. What's that system going to look like? Whatever it is, it's got to be something very different from what exists now. So he's not a great lawyer. He can't kind of do what Cicero did, amaze people in the law courts and kind of ride that success onto power. He's not a great general, even though from what I could tell, he might have had moments of personal bravery. He doesn't have years of combat. He hasn't slept with the men and ate with the men and fight beside them and bled with them. He, he hasn't done any of that. So he's not a great general, even though he, it seems like he was genuinely going to try maybe to do either something in Germany or Britain. He's got to have a different system. He's got to somehow turn the system on its head. He's got to create a new system, control that new system, and it's got to guarantee that he comes out on top. He doesn't want to be the top dog in the pile He's already that. He needs to above he needs to be above the pile entirely. There can be no question about his preeminence. So what kind of system is he gonna need? How's that gonna look? And how does it he make it happen? According to this other book, and you and you can he throws in, he uses quotes from other sources and and uh, and other authors as well. He basically says Caligula is the first emperor to recognize the paradoxical situation that he has. He has All the honors that he's been given, he's gotten from the Senate. So who's really in charge? All these honors, all these, um, when they give him ovations or they give him special titles, it's coming from the Senate. So who's really got the power? Can he give those things to himself? Would it look silly? Would the people laugh at him? Here's his solution, as far as I can tell, when he's coming back on on his way to Rome. He's going to employ several different methods. One is he clearly needs to keep distance between himself and the Senate, which he has already started by saying, I shun, I shun you people. I never want to be around you senators again. I'm going to keep my free people. I'm going to keep non-Romans, whatever. You people have to stay over there. It's like, it's like the virus, six feet over there. The other thing he's got to do is he has to make the senators like Sejanus tear each other apart 
trying to please him. He wants to get rid of the system, but it's going to take time. It's going to take weeks, months, years. It depends on how he does it. But the point is, he can use the current system to his advantage because he can walk up to the senators right now and go, do you love me? Yes, Caesar. Would you do anything for me? Yes, Caesar. So they're lying, but he can use that because no one has the courage to say, no, fuck you, because they're probably going to be killed by the Praetorian guards. As strange as this sounds to us in today's terms, he is going to try to make himself the preeminent person. How? By working on his social status, which sounds silly to us, but he's going to do this. The Romans have had some success in German and Germania, but we've also got our ass kicked. I need to do better than that. No one's been to, to Britain since Julius Caesar. I need to do better than that. I need to make myself so fantastic to the people, however I do this, that if one senator turns to another senator and goes, you know what? We got to get rid of this guy. And this, and hopefully the, the second senator will say, are you fucking crazy? If we kill him, no matter what we say, no matter our, our justification, no matter what speeches we give as we're standing over his dead body, the people of Rome and their tens of thousands just in the city alone will rise up. They will break into our houses. They will tear us apart. They will kill our families. They will take everything we own. They will burn our houses down. He has to somehow make himself that, not beloved, but awe-inspiring to the people. So like when he does his bridge of boats over the, uh, the the bay there. It's to be so awesome. It's to be so spectacular. It's to be on such a level that's never been done before that the people are in awe of him. Yes, he's trying to scare the Germans and the Britons as well, but he's trying to literally say, I am the greatest thing that ever happened. I'm not amazing because I have all these honor, honors from the Senate. I am amazing because of who I am. You do not even want to think about a Rome without me because it won't work. And so he is going to try to, as he gets closer to Rome, he's going to try to come up with ways to get the, the senators to go against each other, but at the same time to think, to get the people to think of him in such a way that they can't imagine tomorrow in Rome if he is not there. They don't ever want him to leave again, and he's just going to try to live luxurious. He's going to try to be decking. He's going to try to stand out. He's basically, it's almost like being an influencer today in the social media. He wants to fake being incredible, almost godlike, until he is perceived that way and perception is reality. And that is part of his plan to come in to win the people, ignore the Senate, get them to destroy each other, but at the same time, try to keep him safe from them by having the complete awe, if not the love, of the people. And now you bring in this whole God thing. Uh, as we're going to find out, it's a lot of the Senate doing this, but He's not exactly saying, no, 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 I want you to stop. It could have been part of a much bigger plan that he formulated after the third conspiracy failed against him. Well, I would argue that he's already on top of the heap. Not just on top of the heap, he is above the heap. He's the fucking emperor. Right, but he wants to be untouchable. He owns everything. He controls, yes. he is untouchable. Well, they're still trying to kill him, so is he untouchable? Well, yeah, but they've killed everybody. <laughs> That's true. Kind of. Well, they didn't kill Augustus or Tiberius, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, is there? how do you get untouchable? Yeah. Julius Caesar was supposedly untouchable because he was the Pontifex Maximus and they killed him, so... Right, and the people and the people revolted and they rebelled and other people died, but it didn't do him any good. He was still dead. Now, 
In terms of a man being a god, we know that Julius Caesar at this stage was considered a god posthumously, as was Augustus Caesar, Mm -hmm. only after they died. Although Virgil had once written that Octavian was a god amongst us, Mm. obviously, when he was still Octavian, this is contemporary, but he might have meant that symbolically only, like Chrissy calls me a sex god. Right. Um, Now, Thibaut eventually allowed statues and temples dedicated to him in the East, as we've talked about before. Right. But not in Rome itself. And and Romans, it's also important to understand that Romans had these ideas of the genius and the Newman. I think we've talked about the genius before, but I don't know that we've talked about Newman before. Mm-hmm. Um, do you understand, you understand genius, right? What the genius was? I'm trying to remember the exact definition. Was it was it something in them that could achieve incredible feats? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, was basically, it? it was. Okay. The idea, it was like think of it like a a, a genie. It's the same right. root as the word of what a genie is, like a spirit mm. that was your individual personal spirit that would come to you and like whisper clever ideas into your ah. mind. Right. There's a great um, story. Who's I may have told this before, but the woman uh, Elizabeth, what's her face, who wrote "Eat, Love, Pray," right? Um, who then became a lesbian? Um, she, uh, I, Chrissy, and I went and saw her talk once. Really good. Really a great uh, uh, orator. But mm-hmm. uh, she tells a story about when she was she she was uh, before she became a famous author she was an entertainment journalist and she interviewed Tom Waits once, mm. and she talks about the the way Tom Waits uh, writes songs is he doesn't think of himself as the writer of the song he believes he has a genius a spirit right. that comes to him and whispers ideas into his brain for a song. And she said that the reason why he, he likes that model is he, it means he's not responsible for being creative. It's not him that's being creative. <laughs> right. It's right. this genius that will whisper things into him. And sometimes he, she tells a story where he is driving his car on the way to his studio one day and he gets this idea, pops into his head, and he talks to him. He goes, he says, well, not now. <laughs> you know, come, come back to me. What can I do about it now? I'm... Right. I'm in the car. I don't. I don't have a pencil. I don't have my piano. Just come back in an hour, and then whisper the. What's the point of coming to me now with the idea? It's no good. It's no right. useful to me. Come back in an hour. And so, what we would maybe call inspiration, they call the genius, and that's something that you can pray to. It's for yourself, so it's not being yeah. sacrilegious or whatever. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like in there and like the the Greco-Roman concepts of the pantheon of gods. Right. It's like a spirit sort of being that you can you can worship. And you would normally do that in the privacy of your own household. You right. Would, you know, you would worship your genius and your Newman, which is some apparently like a similar but different the Newman was like the divine power, the, like the soul um, uh. in, in a Christian sense. It had the power of a god, sort of, and it was attached to you. These words were apparently used interchangeably in the ancient Roman writings, Newman and Genius. They, they, they meant slightly different things but could be used um, interchangeably. So mm-hmm. 
there was like spirit divine powers and Romans were used to worshipping those uh, like uh, as individuals, as I said. But in 6 CE, Thibaut dedicated an altar to the Numen Augusti somewhere in Rome. Mm. So there was an altar to the Godhead, the God within Augustus. Not Augustus the man... Right, right. But the That's, the yeah. the godlike spirit of Augustus that um, propelled him forwards and and gave him great ideas and made him lucky and made him special. So so that's a little more public, a little more formalized. But again, let's make the distinction. There's a gap. We're not worshiping the man, but what's inside the man, beyond the man. Yeah, the lucky. Lucky genie that's uh, that, that's right. whispering in his ear, and making him special. Yeah, like the that's the idea that the when we yeah. talk about a genius today, we say, you know, Cameron, you're a genius. People say to me all the time. They just come up to me in the street, Cameron, you're right. a genius, and I go, well, yes. Um, <laughs> thank you for acknowledging that. Just don't look me in the eye and get down on your <laughs> knees when you say that when you approach me. Um, right. But we we associate genius with the person. We we think, well, these people have a very special brain and right. that makes them a genius. They can see further, think different ideas. They're they're uh, they're brilliant. We attach it to the yeah. individual. Yeah. Right. But right. in Greece and Rome it was different. It was something associated with you but but different from you. It was this mm-hmm. genie. The gap. genius, you know, it's right. literally the genius, the genie of you, you know, the, the genie association with you. But, yes, yeah, so Thibaut had an altar uh, for Augustus's Newman, and this is obviously during Augustus's lifetime. In 11 CE, an altar was set up to the Newman Augusti in Narbo. Oh. It had a board of three knights and three freedmen who were set up to make sacrifices to the Newman of Augustus on his birthday every year. Huh. So this idea of building even altars to the emperor's aspects of the emperor existed before Caligula and was apparently acceptable. Like right. no one got up in arms over this and said, "Well, you're fucking crazy right. to be doing this." But at the same time, um, let's make make it clear that there's a gap between the genius and the man. We're not worshiping the man. Um, as long as you're not worshiping the man per se, we're good with it. You can have your temple or you can have your whatever. You can have your priests. You can do your thing on his birthday. But it's not the man himself. Yes. Okay. It's just the thing associated with the man. Okay. All right. Um, now, maybe Caligula just decided to take it to 11. He was like, look, <laughs> let's be honest. You're going to declare me a god eventually, so let's it's just my, get it over with, right? It's my genius. And you're going to declare me a god when I'm where's dead. The up, yeah, where's the upside in that yeah. for me? If you, get, if you wait till I'm dead, Nothing. let's get it over with and just do it now. It's decades yeah. away. Which is, is somewhat similar to what Alexander the Great did. Mm-hmm. He, according to some of the histories, wanted to be worshipped as a god um, and and it got him into some trouble with the Macedonians. But in the east where he was when that happened, Babylon, Persia, Turkey, etc., etc., that was commonplace. They, right. were, they were more than happy to worship humans as gods in the east, as we've talked about in previous episodes. Yes. Um, and, in fact, that happened with Caligula. He was already worshipped as a god in the east from the very beginning 
of mm. his reign. When the League of Greek States sent an embassy to Rome to congratulate him on taking the throne, they referred to him as the Neos Theos Sebastos, right. the new god Augustus. Uh, so it's already happening in the East. I mean, flat out, you're a god. As it did with Tiberius and Augustus. Right. Um, there's a decree in Sisychus that referred to him as Hohelios Neos, the new son. Mm-hmm. And when he or his governor in Judea at the time uh, decided to dedicate the temple in Jerusalem, the Jewish temple to Caligula, right, right. in the guise of Zeus Epiphanes in the middle of the year 40, <laughs> it was just an extension of what was already common in the East. He was being worshipped as a god in temples across the East, and they were like, well, what about that one? You know, let's just do it yeah. here too. Yeah, there's a temple. That's <laughs> not, let's just, we've already got the <laughs> temple. Let's, uh, we don't even have to build that. Let's sire, just put his statue in there. Sire, right? that's the Jews' temple. Yeah, so it's a temple. Go ahead. Yeah, so? Well, they, they, they've they got their own thing. Well, fuck them <laughs> and their own thing. You know. <laughs> They're part of Rome now. Right. Get with the program. Or as... as as I like to say, Oh, you're my wife now. <laughs> so, but, you know, at this stage too, in Judea, there is a small group already saying Jesus was a god. Oh. Uh, or, and maybe mostly outside of Judea, though, actually. I, I really don't think the... Jewish Christians, the Christians in Jerusalem, the Jesus followers in Jerusalem right. at this time thought Jesus was a god. Prophet, maybe, or Anywho. messenger, or... Yeah, yeah one of those. All right. Yeah. Maybe special to God mm-hmm. as a messenger, um, and maybe they thought he might come back, um, or had come back, or might come back uh, at the end of times. As the like the holy warrior right. of God, which is what the as you know you've seen the film. Have you seen the film? Mm-hmm. You've seen the. Yep. Did I, I send you a link to the final yep. cut, right? Yep. What What did you think? You haven't told I liked me what you it. Thought? Oh no! I mean, have you written a review on IMDb yet? No. I can do that tonight if that would make you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everyone listening to this, if you've seen the film, please. Right. Go to IMDb, search for Marketing Messiah, write a review. It's important. We're trying to sell it to networks now, now that our cinema strategy is dead in the water. Um, thanks thanks corona. to coronavirus. Yes. Yeah, go uh, go write a review on IMDb. Help us help us show that you love it, and then we might be able to get yeah. Netflix to buy it. Um, nice. Yeah, well, yeah, as, I, as I say in the film, you know, um, the idea of a Messiah, the Jewish idea of a Messiah was a warrior king, and maybe what the early Christians just did was, well... We thought he was the Messiah, but then he got killed. Right. But maybe he's going to come back as a uh, as an angelic do over uh, warrior king, right? You know, yeah. Which he, they ended up turning into the, him into that during the rule of Constantine. He supposedly appeared to Constantine and helped Constantine's armies yeah. win the battle against Maxentius. Yes. Right? So that's what they may have thought. Anyway. Um, the difference between Caligula and the guys who came before him is that, according to the traditional telling of the events, he's demanding that they treat him as a god. Oh, right. In the East, as well as in Rome, rather than acquiescing 
to right. the request that they would like to treat him as a god. Tiberius was like, oh, and Augustus before him, look, okay, if you insist. <laughs> That's right. I don't want to see it. Whereas Caligula's like, yeah. yeah let, but, but here's the thing. I mean, they were doing it in the East anyway. Yeah. So it's just, again, according to the traditional view of things, he's demanding it in Rome. Um, now, there's another story that he tried to take over a temple at Miletus that was dedicated to Apollo and have him dedicated to himself instead, right. like he supposedly tried to do in the Jewish temple. Now, the big difference here between him and Tiberius and Augustus is that there were statues of them in temples in the East, mm -hmm. but when that happened in the past, the, the temples were always dedicated to, for example, Augustus and the Senate right. of Rome, or... Tiberius and the people of Rome. Yeah. It was them sort of affiliated or associated with the people of Rome. But Caligula is suggesting he wanted the temples dedicated to him and him alone. But that doesn't make him insane. But the point is he's just had a falling out with the Senate. Why in the fuck would he want to put in a temple alongside him a group of people who have tried to kill him at least three times and now maybe four? I mean, that's just human nature. Why should I reward you people? Yeah, good point. Now, the temple of Apollo was actually at Didyma uh, in the region of Miletus, and it was supposedly the largest temple in the world. Wow had been destroyed by Darius in 494 BCE, uh -huh. started to get restored by Alexander the Great <laughs> when he was in the area around like 3, I don't know, 30 or something BCE. So 160 years later, Alexander starts to restore it. And by Caligula's time, it's still being <laughs> restored. They're taking their time. Quality. Must be union job. <laughs> and, and Caligula said, well, listen, while you're at right. it, just I mean, uh, put my statue in, pop there it in there instead of Apollo. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You want the best. Now, Cassius Dio seems to date the establishment of a formal cult to Caligula to around about mid-40. Um, mm. Something to do with Caligula being angry, coming back from Germany, and the... Failure of the Senate to vote him ta hyperanthropon, which literally translates as things above a human. Right. He got angry that they didn't just vote him that huh. off their own bat, huh. which is a weird thing to claim. Like that had never been done before. Why he would get angry that they yeah. hadn't done it for him is bizarre. Dio doesn't explain yeah. that allegation. We need more information. Yeah. Yeah. And there are lots of stories of Caligula dressing up as various <laughs> gods, and that's often meant to suggest that he thought of himself as a god, but that wasn't unusual. I mean, he liked to dress up as women but, as well. He just liked to dress up. But just because I'm a cro cross-dresser doesn't mean I'm claiming to be divine. I just like both sides of the road, if I may. Yeah. Yeah. And Augustus Caesar threw a party once, or Octavian as he was then, were, were the party of the 12 gods that we talked about back in an old show mm -hmm. where they everyone had to dress up as gods and goddesses. He himself dressed up as Jupiter. Mark Antony said it was a sign of how, not, not that he had lost his mind and thought he was an actual god, but just how inappropriate oh. he was 
But of course, then he goes to uh, the east and and has himself dressed up as <laughs> right. uh, yeah um, Dionysus. Yeah. Remember, he he, get, he, he, he gets close. dressed up as a god himself. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they all did it. This this isn't new to Caligula. Right. Um, now the evidence, though, for an official cult of Caligula in Rome, outside of Suetonius and Dio, is pretty much non-existent. Ooh. Okay. All right. So again, you have to take that with a grain of salt. No one else is mentioning it. Well, there are there are mentions, but they're fairly vague, and there's nothing really in the archaeological record like you would expect. Right. And there's a, an argument from silence too. There, there are p- places we would expect this to turn up where it doesn't, and I'm going to go through them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we're told by Suetonius that the emperor established a temple to his own Numen. Right. Dio says that it was voted on by the Senate and was an official cult. But again, at this stage, Caligula's cut himself off from the Senate, so hard to believe that he would give a fuck what the Senate thought. Right, but... It was but, also posed, so, but I have to ask, so the the Senate voted this an official cult. Did he did he dedicate the temple to his newbin and then go up to the Senate and go, uh, I want you to vote on this or I'm gonna kill you, or did the Senate do it on their own, even if it's an indirect threat? I mean, the Senate has to take some responsibility if this really is the case as far as making it an official cult. Yeah. Well, we don't know. But yeah, yeah good questions. Yeah. Now it supposedly had a priesthood. Uh, and you had to pay large sums of money to buy a priesthood, basically setting the path for the Catholic Church. <laughs> it's a money grab. Anyway. Dio claims that Sazonia and Claudius were priests. Right. But in return, and to get the job, Caligula made both of them pay 10 million sesterces each. In order to come up with the money, Claudius had to pledge all of his real estate for security. And when he couldn't come, when he couldn't pay the debt, oh he was forced into bankruptcy, according to Dio. <laughs> That's embarrassing. But but Caligula's been at this money grabbing thing for quite some time because if you're the emperor, obviously you have to live large, especially if it's a part of your plan. But two. When there's either a war going to be on or you're planning to invade Britain or your own Senate's trying to kill you, it's nice to have a chunk of change around so you can hire your own troops, maybe pay some spies, bribe people or whatever. So he's been doing this money gathering thing for quite some time. And you can almost see this example here as another part of that, just trying to rebuild the finances. Nothing to do yeah, with God. Yeah, you have to keep in mind that Dio uh, and Suetonius too – put everything that Caligula does down to either money-grabbing or insanity. That's That's their basic explanation for everything. Gotcha. So, you know, how how much credence we should give that, I don't know. Now, the sources are a little confused when it comes to temples to the Caligula cult, but generally historians today think there was one built on the Palatine where a shrine to Augustus had been built after his death. It's believed that Caligula had a statue of himself built out of gold and it was dressed up in different clothes every day. That sounds right, actually. Just de- yeah. depending on his mood. Some day it would be board shorts, beachwear. Other days it would be like golf. Leopard pu- prints. Puffy pants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. days a mankini. 
a bomber Some jacket. Some nice formal wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bomber jacket yeah, with uh, Tom, Tom, Tom Cruise right. Top Gun look, you know. <laughs> right. uh, or a tuxedo. Aviator. Right, aviator glasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tuxedo yeah, bond. Yeah. Just whatever bond. took his fancy. Exactly. And he would get his, he would get his photo taken uh, yeah. in the exact same costume as the statue every day. Oh, that's cute. Now, Dio says that Caligula styled himself Jupa Latiaris, who was an ancient uh, cult figure that was first worshipped back in the Alban days, Alban days of the Alban kings. Suetonius says that Caligula would stand between the statues of Castor and Pollux in their <laughs> temple in the Forum and want to be worshipped alongside them. Sure. And some people would go by and say, hey, Jupiter, what's up? <laughs> um... I bet he liked that. So, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it, it, again, it's hard to know how much to take this seriously. Now, there's possibility that Caligula had his statue placed in the cellar of the Castor and Pollux Temple. By the, no, by the way, do you know what a cellar is? S-C- sorry, C-E-L-L-A. Cellar. Where they keep the wine. No, yeah. I, I don't know. Why? Where? What is it? No, well, it, uh, our modern word cellar, I think, comes from that, but... A cellar in Rome was the small windowless room in the middle of a temple where the statue of the main god was. Oh, and he might have put a statue. You would make your way into that. Yeah. Right. Now, the the modern word for a biological cell comes from that. So does a prison cell and a monk cell and a wine cellar. Cool. Small windowless rooms where, you know... Keep something away. You keep a treasure or you keep something hidden away. Right. Like cool. in a prison or a monk. Hmm. Right. From the middle room of a temple. Now, the tradition of a ruler having his statue erected amongst the gods wasn't that uncommon throughout the empire. Mm. Um, which was pointed out to the Jews when they complained about Caligula right. trying to put his statue in. Their temple, and it was also fairly accepted in Rome. Cicero writes of Julius Caesar's statue being placed in the temple of Corinus in Rome. Right. Um, Tiberius made a point of insisting that if his own statues were to be placed in temples, they should stand among the ornamenta adium, the ornaments of the uh, sorry, the adornments of the temple, mm-hmm. rather than among the gods. So it was okay to have your stench, your statue in the temple as long as you weren't placed side by side with right. the gods. Know your place. You remember, yeah. remember when Agrippa built the Pantheon, his original idea was to have statues of the gods on the inside mm-hmm. and statues of him and Augustus on the outside, sort of the, the front doors right. welcoming you in. Yes. So that's, so that's it's but, not unheard of. But Caligula might have gone one step further and gone, ah, just stick me in the middle yeah. there. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Well, doesn't he want to piss off? I mean, he's pissed at the Senate. I mean, why, you know, you could see it as, as in context of just trying to shake things up. I'm so pissed at the Senate right now. I don't care what they think. I don't care what anybody thinks. This is what I want to do. And maybe it will make the people love me more. But I, I just imagine at the very least, he doesn't give a shit if he's offending anybody. Not that he's insane. Not that he really wants to be a god. But I think he's just in the mood to piss people off. If. Any of this is even true. Yes, yes. Now, apparently a decade later in 54, the Senate voted Nero 
a number of honours, including having a statue in the Temple of Mars Altor to be the same size Whoa. as the cult statue of the god. Right. So and it sort of suggests that Nero's would stand next to it in the cellar. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, I know we all think of Nero being crazy, but the Senate's voting this to him, according to the histories, a decade after Caligula did it, or a decade and a bit later. So, um, you know, maybe it wasn't considered completely crazy. Right. At least by Nero's time, if, uh, you know, it got started by Caligula and they just went, well, sure, you are a god. Yeah. Yeah, There's no problem. Let's just do that. According to Suetonius, Caligula was also referred to as Optimus Maximus Caesar, (laughs) which some historians claimed as evidence that he was worshipped as Jupiter. Optimus Mm. Maximus, but there is some evidence that this title might go back to Augustus, and it was absolutely used for Nero, and we know that Nero refused to be actively worshipped as a god in Rome. So you could use that title without it involving worshipping someone as a god is the point. Maybe maybe I'm the, um, the, 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 what is it... uh, the manifestation of the God in man form. Don't worship me. Go ahead and worship the God. I'm just doing where he maybe my genius is working with that God or whatever, but, but God made manifest on the planet. So again, there's still a distance between worshiping a God directly and worshiping something about me, but not me, the person as I think as long as there's a gap in there, the Romans might've been okay with the whole concept or basically they don't care. Right, but we have to remember that Maximus just means the greatest right. and uh, Optimus just means the best. <laughs> right. So if you called, like Jupiter Optimus Maximus means is Jupiter the best and greatest. Um, I'm the greatest Jupiter, Caesar. Muhammad Ali. Right. Yeah, they tried to call him originally. Yeah, you're just the best and greatest Caesar. Yeah, that's all. Or you're the best and greatest man, comma, Caesar. Ah, Didn't use commas a lot. Right. No God. Latin, so, you know. No God. Yeah, just. Yeah. You're the best and greatest man there is, and you are Caesar. That's why you're Caesar. That's going on my sound. Doesn't necessarily mean he's a god. Right. My soundboard. It's going. Sure, your soundboard. (laughs) Like you can work out how to use a soundboard. Um, Now, Nero, and we'll get to Nero obviously later on, but Nero did like to do things like build his big statue outside the Domus Aurea, which had him depicted as the god's soul with the radiant crown, the sun crown. Mm-hmm. So he liked to hint that oh. he was a little bit like a god, but he didn't actually ask people to worship him as a god. Gotcha. He's like, no, I just like the look of that yeah. sun crown. It's just a good look on him. I'm not <laughs> saying that I'm a god. No. It's no. just I like to dress up. If You know, nothing wrong with that. If I was a god, I would think that's how I would look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When I'm a god, <laughs> when I die, <laughs> that's what that's I'm going how for. I would probably, yeah. that's that's the style yeah. I've asked them to prepare for me in advance. <laughs> now, the the you know even Seneca uh, when he wrote De Clementia of clemency for Nero when Nero first took the throne, where he basically tells him, oh, I read it last night, by the way, uh, or yesterday, on clemency. On clemency. Mm-hmm. Fascinating suck-up document. Um, Seneca basically going, listen, Nero, you are the fucking best. <laughs> if I, It's a bit like Cicero's right. uh, on, on Marcellus to Caesar, right? 
Seneca just writes this thing going, dude, you are so awesome. And listen, I'm not just saying that because right. you're the emperor. I'm saying that because you are fucking the greatest, <laughs> nicest True. guy oh. I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> Obviously, you should be the ruler of Rome because you are just such a terrific bloke. <laughs> Seriously, um, I cannot imagine anyone else sitting right. on that throne. <laughs> of course... Um, Seneca got banished by Claudius for having an affair with Caligula's sister, Lavilia. Mm. So, uh, you know, yeah. he's got his own reasons for yeah. maybe not saying nice things about Caligula. Yeah. Anyway, um, but in On Clemency, Seneca refers to Nero as Maximus and Optimus. Ooh. So he obviously didn't find it. Uh, offensive right. to make those sorts of statements. Now, the problems with the claims of Dion Suetonius that Caligula demanded to be worshipped as a god, and they're the only people we get it from, is that it doesn't show up anywhere in the archaeological record. There are several inscriptions on various bits and pieces from 40 or later which refer to Caligula simply as C. Caesar Germanicus, Gaius Caesar Germanicus. Nothing about him being a divinity. Right. Which you would expect yeah. if he had mandated that he was to be declared a divinity. There's, an, there's a couple of inscriptions that survive from Gaul. Each of them recorded dedication to Tiberius and Caligula by a guy called Sextus Alianus Persinus, mm -hmm. he was identified as a Saver Augustalis, a member of the priestly college that sort of ran the official cult of Augustus. Right. So he would, you know, you would assume he would know. <laughs> should know, yeah. Everything about the imperial <laughs> cults. Right. And the inscription to Caligula in his name, is pretty confidently dated to 40 and yet gives no indication of any worship or cult to Caligula as a god. Huh. So what the hell's going on? We have all this conflicting information about the exact status of his cult. Did he have one? Was it forced upon the Senate? Did the Senate offer to him trying to kiss his ass? You know, what's going on? The record of the Arval Brotherhood which exists for 39 and certainly for part of 40, mm -hmm. gives no hint of any divine status for Caligula. Mm. Although later it does record that Claudius, when he was the emperor, was described as a divinus princeps. Oh. That's, so yeah. they mention it for Claudius but not for Caligula. And you think they would they would have gotten that shit right. I mean, that's not something you fuck up. You don't, you don't not call someone a god if they've been deemed to be a god or divine, I well, guess that, I should say. And this is the Arval brother, uh, the Arval brother. Yeah. I mean, they're basically responsible for keeping an eye on all of the religious traditions in Rome. Right. Um, there's an author, Scribonius Largus, who refers to Caligula three times as our god, the emperor, Deus Noster Caesar. But, uh, you know, really, did that mean that there was a cult or he was just saying, you know, you're like... Uh, yeah. Our personal... You know, you're our leader. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like I said earlier, like Chrissy refers to me as a sex god. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't think she means it literally. She might. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Uh, she doesn't bow down to me Tell you what, uh, as much as I would like her to. But gr- Grab the laptop, walk into the other room and go ahead and ask her real quick. Let's just go ahead and figure this out. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> just demand that she gets down and no, bows down and no, see what happens. No, I just know just when she says you're a sex god and, and what, never mind. I oh, think this is going to end up oh, being you, bad. You just want video of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, there are, there are surviving inscriptions in the East calling Germanicus Zeus or Jupiter, but none identifying Caligula in the same way. Huh. Now, one of the possibilities I read was that maybe anything recording him as divine was destroyed right. after his assassination. Could be. But it's a bit surprising that nothing at all exists. You think something would have you survived? Know? Something, yeah, new. okay, yeah, particularly on the coinage because there's nothing about him being divine on his coinage either. He's not even depicted with the radiant crown on the coinage, right? So, by the way, yeah. the radiant crown, or what people think of as like the, the halo in your Christian imagery. Mm-hmm. The, the, the halo is, you know, the Christianized version of the radiant crown, which comes from the kings of Egypt who mm. were depicted with the crown of the sun god. That's basically what it means. Right. Uh, also used in Syria, used on the gold coins of Ptolemy III and Euergetes I of Egypt and Antiochus IV of Syria. It's also found on coins... Uh, bearing the heads of Augustus that were minted by Tiberius, Caligula, and Claudius. Mm. So the radiant crown well established on coins in Caligula's time, but we have no coins with him wearing the radiant crown. We have coins of Nero with the radiant crown Mm -hmm. and Augustus, but nothing with Caligula. Would, would it be fair to say that whether it doesn't matter that if Caligula said, I demand that you, you know, vote me these honors or I demand that you set up a cult or I demand that you think of me in this way, or if the Senate did it on their own trying to suck up to him, no matter how it happens, you think stuff like that would have ended up um, in his title or on coins or, or in, in subscriptions or whatever, inscriptions. So... Again, that's just another piece of the puzzle. No matter how it happens, you think he would have gotten all the honors that that Augustus and Nero got as well, uh, or, or Claudius, you Claudius. know, was referred to as divinus princeps. Nothing like that. It's bizarre. Yeah. Now, again, we uh, neither Seneca nor Philo mentioned a cult of Caligula, even though they were both in Rome, <laughs> right, during the latter parts of his rule, and hated him. Yeah. They got plenty of criticisms for Caligula, but neither of them mentions an official state cult of Caligula. And these are the contemporary yes. authors. Obviously, Dio and Seneca are writing, and Tacitus are writing a long time later. Um, Philo mentions that Caligula wanted to be worshipped as a god in Jerusalem, but makes no mention of an official cult in Rome. And as I've already established, being worshipped as a god in the East was commonplace. Yes. And in fact, it would have been insulting if he hadn't have been worshipped as a god yeah. in the East because Tiberius and Caligula and Julius Caesar all were and he was 
you know, as good, if not better, than all of them. Right. Um, Seneca talks in one of his books about the execution of the philosopher Julius Canus, who we've mentioned uh, in an earlier episode, Mm -hmm. um, for treason. And when he was being marched on his way to get executed... He says he came close to the the area on which a daily sacrifice was offered to Cesare Deo Nostro, our God Caesar. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say which Caesar. Oh yeah, could have been Julius or Augustus, and he might have meant it sarcastically, like the sex god thing, right? <laughs> you know, uh, anyone. That anyone executed by Caligula was a sacrificial victim, or the Caligula as emperor wanted to be treated like a god or like Jesus. You know, right. or maybe they used it sarcastically for Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you're <laughs> such a god. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for you to come back from the dead. Uh. Maybe Jesus worked out a lot and he had a great body and they were like, check out that body. Here's the body of a god. <laughs> a uh, which one? Oh, maybe Thor. <laughs> and that over time just became Jesus was a god, you know. Right. Just, could be. Could have been a gem Did you hear that? It started off as Jesus had a God bod. Right. And then... Jesus the, Jesus the God bod. Right. And then over time, they just dropped the bod. Yeah. 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 Somebody wrote, was writing it down and, the, you know, a bit of the tablet broke off. <laughs> bit of the... Bit of the... Or the uh, early Twitter. The, the, there's only so many characters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they were like, well, everyone knows what yeah. I mean. I mean God bod. No one's going to be looking at this 2,000 years from now. Come on. <laughs> now, one other point is that during Caligula's reign, he apparently introduced proskinesis. Mm-hmm. We've kind of mentioned this earlier before, but this, as our Alexander listeners will remember, this was a Persian custom where you dropped to your knees in front of the king yeah, and do. kissed his feet or kissed his hand. When Alexander was in Babylon, he adopted it mostly for his Persian subjects right. because that's what they were used to doing. And he was like, well, I mean, I don't want them to feel awkward. Yeah. Um, it's it's fine, you know. Yeah. And then eventually he said to the, his, his, his Macedonian generals, well, listen, like, if you don't do it, it's going to be weird. It's a bad look. Because um, yeah. we're here. We're in Rome. No, we're not in Rome. <laughs> we're in Babylon. Well, you know what I mean. We're in Babylon. Drop do the Babylon you, thing, right? right? Drop to your knees. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, and he got in a lot of trouble for that. Yes. Like they, the generals sort of weren't happy. There was like a, sort of mini mutinies against him for doing that. Oh, yes. Um, now, we talked about this in an earlier episode um, with Lucius Vitellius, which I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll remind everyone who he was in a minute. But I want to point out that According to the sources, early in his reign, when he first took the throne, Caligula wouldn't even allow people to acknowledge him in any special way in public. Right. Remember, he was just like, just yeah. nodding a wink is all I yeah, need. Just, right. hey, just, hey, bloke. Right. Yeah. Hey, mate. Hey, guy. And just Good? walk on. Just yeah. walk on. Hey, bud. Hey, mate. I'm not a tourist fist bump attraction. Was all he, right, right. All he, would, all he would allow is like a little fist bump. Yeah. Hey. Take you a, know, or, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Take he a just picture. go, knock me up. Right. Yeah, yeah. bump me up. Boom. Let me up, bitches! <laughs> That's all he would allow. Take a picture from a distance, uh, keep it over there. It's, we're good. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. But according to Dio, uh, later on, he started to offer a foot or a hand to be kissed. Mm. 
Now, that's not so much like worship as a god. Yeah. Maybe it's just a sign of respect. Now, the funny thing is, like, when I was writing all this last night, I was thinking, well, today that doesn't seem so weird because we're kind of used to kings and popes right. uh, and the godfather wanting to have their, you know, ring finger kissed or, Show respect. or you know, bow down before them. You know, even a, a bow or a curtsy is a form of subjugating mm-hmm. yourself right. to somebody of, you know, that, that has that level of authority or royalty. Right. It's something that was commonplace uh, for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Obviously not very common in Rome. It was shocking. Yes. That he would even offer a hand or a foot to be kissed is apparently shocking to Cassius Dio. If it's true. Um, if it's true. Yeah. Now, uh, Lucius Vitellius, we mentioned a few episodes ago, he was the governor of Syria who deposed Pontius Pilate. Was he the suspected of being too successful in Syria or was involved in a conspiracy, got recalled, right. thought he was going to get executed, but he dropped to his knees in front of Caligula and basically worshipped him as a god right. and survived and went on to become consul and, and do quite well. Yeah. So the ancient sources seem to suggest that this all started with Vitellius, that he dropped to his knees, worshipped Caligula as a god, and Caligula was like, Either Caligula was like, you know what, I like that. Yeah. Let's let's make that a thing now. Right. Or other people heard the story, that he and survived. if they got into trouble, right. they did it as well, and it just became a thing that you do. That you know what, if you drop down in front of your knees in front of a Caligula, yeah. he likes it. Get or out of jail. Free he card. just thinks, yeah, you, he thinks you're so pathetic right. that he lets you go. You're embarrassing him. Just get out of my sight. Just go. Just go. Yeah. Yeah. You're embarrassing yourself. Are you a Roman or are you a mouse? Right. <laughs> now, when, like, in, in modern times, or, or, you know, when you kiss the ring of the Pope, people aren't saying the Pope is a god. They're right. saying he's special to yeah. God, and they're acknowledging his position. Authority. Like, we watched this, right. these two seasons, the young Pope and the new Pope, and the two Popes on Netflix, which is also good. There's a lot of kissing of the rings of Popes. Um, it's considered highly acceptable and appropriate by a billion Catholics around the world. Right. No one bats a fucking eyelid right. except me. I'm like, that's, that's great. I'm not kissing anything. But, yeah. Yeah. But people do it. Um, if you were granted an audience with the Pope, would you kiss his ring? I would feel uncomfortable. Maybe a little bow or something. I don't know, but I'm not kissing anything. Not for free. Anyway. I would not. I would not. And if I had an audience with the queen, I wouldn't bow either. Yeah. Fuck you and fuck your fake titles, quite honestly. <laughs> Which is probably why kick, neither I'd, one of us will. I'd kick her in the pussy. <laughs> A little old lady. It's worth billions probably. I have no idea. How much is the queen worth? Yeah. Oh, God. You've upset the last uh... two British people. That listen to this show. <laughs> you got them earlier. You got most of them earlier, and the last two just signed off. Uh, <laughs> and yet, I but the Scottish. You're okay the Scottish with love me though. Scot- oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's one of us. Yes. Kick her in the pussy. <laughs> Do it again. Do it for us. Do it for Scotland. <laughs> 
Um, it's late. It's hour three. <laughs> it's hour three, people. Yeah. It's hot. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm all hot and sweaty, so it's either hot here or I'm coming down with coronavirus. So oh, I'm not shit. Sure which one. I win! Sorry, I meant to have it on mute. I meant to have it on mute. <laughs> but, but, but to carry on with your idea about dropping to your knees, even after Caligula is killed and the, the guards or the, the senators, whoever, go up to Claudius, they drop on their knees and it's not to show that they think he's a god. It's a sign of respect or maybe it is established custom that has nothing to do with divinity, divinity at this point. It's just, hey, I get that yeah. you're the new top dog. I bow to you, sir. It could have just been a sign of respect or just a sign of being a, an obsequious, you know, yes, suck-up. Right. You know? That works too. That. Yeah. There's, yeah. Just because they were doing it doesn't mean that Caligula demanded or expected right. them to do it. Now, Claudius banned it when he was emperor. I Good mean, Caligula him. could have banned it and didn't, so I guess that's one vote against him. Sure. But there's also mentions that when Caligula was away from Rome, like when he was in Germany, the Senate would pay homage to his empty throne, his curule chair, a.k.a. this throne. <laughs> right. They would they would make sacrifices, they would leave money on it, they would nod, bow, whatever to it. And again, sometimes this is used as evidence that he was treated as a god. Mm. But it was common in Rome, apparently, that the gods were represented by empty thrones. Oh. They would be carried in procession, sometimes with a thunderbolt on them. And it reminds me of the Persian custom that we talked about on our Alexander show. Whenever they went into, well, went anywhere, including into battle, remember they'd always have an empty chariot um, that would be ridden in, and it was the chariot for their chief god, Ahura Mazda. Oh. Should if he if he got bored and had nothing to do show and he wanted up. to show up, right. they always had a they always had a spare chair ready for him. We got right? a place for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I forgot that. Now, apparently, this also goes way back in Rome, goes back to Romulus, who had an empty chair beside him Hmm. whenever he was fulfilling his official duties to represent Remus. Ah. Look, I did have my twin brother killed, (laughs) but... I respect him. I respect him. I respect his memory with this empty chair. If he wasn't dead, he would be here right now with us. Yeah. (laughs) But he is dead, so let's just acknowledge <laughs> Move on. his chair. Nothing to see here. And apparently the Senate did something similar with Tiberius when he was on Capri. They had empty thrones set up for Thibaut and Sianus. Oh. And they would sort of pay their respects to that. It's kind of like, well, the spirit of Thibaut is here. Thibaut himself, I'm sure he's going to come back any day now, yeah. just like Jesus. Right. Any day now. I'm he'll waiting. be coming back from his sex. Maybe that's the why Jesus hasn't returned. Maybe he's in a sex palace on Capri. And, doing better than we uh, are. Yeah. He's, yeah, <laughs> it's, he's like, look. Any day now, I'm going to get bored with having, you know, little fishes sucking on my dick. But right now... I'm loving it. I'm having a good time. Yeah. You know? I'm loving it. (laughs) Every week, he says, next week, I'll do it. (laughs) Definitely. Next week. Definitely next week. Next week, week, I'll I'll be over this, you know. Is it bowing to a chair or leaving whatever money in a chair or whatever? Isn't that pretty much the same as, like, I acknowledge your, your office, the responsibilities that come with your office? I'm just paying honor to the job that you have because not any not everybody could do it. I'm just acknowledging your position. Yeah. It could be absolutely read that way. Yeah. 
So the bottom line is that I think it's pretty unclear whether or not Caligula really demanded or mm-hmm. even wanted to be worshipped as a god. Yes, he did have temples set up to his Newman and his genius, but that's slightly different and, as we pointed out, not uncommon, had right. been done before. The only difference is that it was usually something that was done in private, although Tiberius did set up a temple to Augustus's Newman, and there was several of them by the sounds of it. Mm. So what the difference is between that and what Caligula did, I'm not very sure, but it certainly doesn't seem to be enough evidence that he forced it upon Romans like, for example... Theodosius forced Christianity upon the Romans a few hundred years later. <laughs> yeah. Again, the uh, the jury is out on this one. It's hard to tell all the things that we've deconstructed over the weeks and months or whatever. This is just another one. We don't have enough information, but we we know that we can't say for sure that he forced it on the Senate and the people of Rome. We just don't know enough to say one way or the other. So like the aborted invasion of Germany and the aborted invasion of Britain, uh, this might be one of those things where there's more than meets the eye and that the Reader's Digest version of Caligula's history where he's just insane Mm -hmm. uh, may be more propagandistic than it is historical. Yeah. Just more spin. And with, with that... Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I think we are done. I I hope you all survive coronavirus, particularly if you're paying subscribers to our premium (laughs) shows. (laughs) 